and they talk about how she's the phoenix she's like i don't know how long i'm gonna have this power i don't know how long i'm gonna be doing this blah 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 and um so she's like the phoenix like proper like yeah this wasn't like some like alternate universe thing and like she came back and they were all watching this from some alternate dimension or something she's Mm -hmm. the host of the phoenix echo is the phoenix yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Robbie even asked her, he's like, what should I call you? And she's like, you can call me Echo. You can call me Maya. That's my name. <laughs> okay. All right. Hello, guys. We are back for another episode of Another Relaunch, episode 31. Yes, huh. yes, yes. I'm Keenan. How y'all doing? What up, y'all? I am LZ. What's going on, LZ? How are you today? Child, I am. I'm stressed. <laughs> <laughs> I've had such a week. If you started with a child, I know it's about to be like, I'm stressed. <laughs> <laughs> I was stressed. Um, I thought I had a lint in my beard. It was not. It was gray hair. <laughs> so I think I'm starting to enter my daddy era, which is, hey, that's fine. <laughs> you should like some gray at the like, tip of your locks and then like, would you yes. just that's fine. So I actually have um, a like, random gray patch in the top middle of my head up here. And so if I'm ever like picking something up or someone happens to look over, they always think something's in my hair. They're like, oh, there's something in your hair. I'm like, no, it's just gray. And they're just like, oh. I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm here. I won't need to see that all the time. <laughs> yeah, you know. But I'm out here. <laughs> get, get out. <laughs> Speaking of long, oh, we had like a very long comic book week this week. Um, yeah. So I'm very excited for that. Let's go ahead and get right on into it. Um, so we'll start off with our list. We have Catwoman number 30. This comes from Ram V and Fernando Blanco with colors from Jordi Belair. So this is like an all-star team already. I think I talked about this last time. I just picked this issue up um, when Ram V kind of got on the Catwoman. I haven't gone back to read a lot of the other stuff for it, but basically it seems like Catwoman is in charge of Alleytown. She's like the queen pin of it. And she's okay. kind of around. She's protecting people. There's actually this really nice part in the book where she's talking to like one of the guys who live there and she's saying how she's dealing with superpowered thugs and all these criminals and all this other kind of stuff and she's like this isn't the world that I live in this is his world talking about Batman and she's like I don't deal with things like this on a normal basis I'm not really sure how and someone needs to say her then why don't you call him and she's like no we promise to stay out of each other's way for a little while and she's like and honestly I can do this myself so it's just it's a really interesting thing with Selena again I've kind of always said she's a character who I don't really know too much about but I enjoy her from afar she seems yeah. interesting and this one she's very interesting there's some stuff going on where uh, like drugs being made the Riddler's around poison ivy's in it somewhere the art and colors are just fantastic uh, Blanco has a great sense of action there's like fights when Selena's swinging from the uh, rooftops and like going into cars beating up thugs it's a very enjoyable book okay question for you because I am a Catwoman fan and I started this rebirth issue back in the beginning but then like got off of it because I was just super busy with other stuff can I jump in with the Ram V stuff or should I go back I think I only read like the first three or four issues she was like starting to be like a queen pin kind of thing in I would um, I would say you could jump back in with the 
with the Ram V issues. I think he did the arc before this one. Like right oh, okay. as well. So um I would say do that and then go into this. But Okay. I think if you're a Catwoman fan, you should definitely pick it up. Okay. I mean it's only at issue thirty, so I could probably read the, most of those and get caught up. I mean and we still got Joel Jones on covers and like everybody Ooh, knows yes. Joel Jones stands count. So um <laughs> If you get it for that alone, it's everything. Really good. Yes. Um, I'd give this issue a three point five out of five. Okay. That's all. I like. I, again and again, and I only put it kind of like on the lower tier because I don't really know too much about what happened before. I really need to go back and read the first arc. <laughs> 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 I, think I, I, think I look at it, I'm like, oh, I'm a little lost. But again, very pretty book, very well written. Rang V is definitely becoming one of my favorite writers. Like he is able to balance action, horror, humor, everything. And he, like, navigates it all with ease. Enjoy it. Yeah. Pick it up. Um, so next up, we have Justice League number, what is this, number 60, from Brian Michael Bendis and David Marquez. Now, mm-hmm. how have you felt about Bendis' DC run and all the stuff he's done so far? Okay, so... I haven't read a lot of his uh, DC era stuff because a lot of the stuff that he was given, I'm not fans of those characters, except um, he was given. So outside of the Green Lantern like corner, mm-hmm. I love the Legion of Superheroes. Like that's like yeah. my, I love the Legion of Superheroes. So I was super excited that they were relaunching that book and they gave it to him and beautiful art. Ryan Silk is on art, right? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. He's yes. one of my favorite Beautiful art. But, like, it was not given what I needed it to give. <laughs> it would, <laughs> it would like, it would take, like, 10 issues just to move kind of maybe something forward. And um, un- unfortunately, sometimes I feel like Bendis gets into this thing I call teen speak with him, mm-hmm. where they all sound like the quippy teenager. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody kind of has the same personality. So I wasn't really feeling it. Even okay. though I feel like I should, because like he's good with those kind of teenager characters, like, and I feel like that's kind of like the general consensus I feel for his DC stuff has been, he's getting the characters I think he would be good on, but it's just, I don't yeah. know, it's not given. <laughs> I, I I can agree with that, and I kind of feel like this is happening also with this current run of Justice League. Again, we're only two issues in, but it feels very decompressed. Bendis taking a very long time to tell the story and get it moving. I will admit it's kind of fun. I think he has a decent enough voice for most of the characters. Uh, His Superman is really, really good. Uh, And and I say this as like a non-Superman fan, but I think that he shows that a Superman is very earnest and like genuinely does look the best in everyone. There's actually like a little part between him and Green Arrow where they're all kind of disagreeing with Superman because Superman is trying to get Black Adam onto the Justice League. And so everybody's like, what? Absolutely not. And Green... Superman's uh, idea? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because, because, I mean, and when he says it, he kind of gets to the point. He's like, Black Adam has been helping me. He's like, anytime I've been called to some type of disaster, Black Adam has already been there. He's already helped the people. He is can do this. Like, I believe in him. And Green Arrow says to him, he's like, you're doing that thing. And Superman's like, what? He's like, you're Superman. Nobody can really disagree with you unless we want to look like the bad guy or we want to look nuts or something like that. He's like, it's not really fair when you try and do these things to us. <laughs> <laughs> you got a point. Yeah. And it was, 
And so, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, you know, that's something that a lot of people think, I'm sure. And again, I think Bendis does a really good job with the flow of the team and their interactions and how they get with each other. It's just the story itself is moving at a glacial pace. It has something to do with Naomi and uh, her original home world that she's from and like the villains are popping in to this earth from that one and so by the end of it we actually go back to her home world the team is all supposed to be together but somehow they get separated so it just ends with her by herself oh okay so it's like this first arc is like a an introduction for everyone to get into naomi pretty much yeah there's okay. a really fun panel where um hot girl hands naomi her mace <laughs> and Naomi's like, oh my gosh, you want me to take this in the battle and leave the charge? And the whole girl's like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> like, I just want to see if it reacts to you some type of way. And so, but it's like, it always makes me think. I was like, you know, gotta love a mace. Yes. <laughs> I know you love um, a mace. <laughs> um, but so that's Justice League. There is also still a backup story from Ram V again. He's telling the Justice League dark story. It has Zatanna, Etrigan, Constantine, uh, Merlin's kind of the villain of that. Very good. Again, horror, magic, right up my alley. Um, Ram does write Zatanna with like, or at least right now, she kind of has a lack of confidence. <laughs> and I think it's oh. so funny. Because everybody knows Betsy is my fave. And Zatanna I was going to say. Betsy is my DC, my DC fave. And it's like, why is everybody writing my girls with this lack of confidence that has never existed before? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, what's going on? Or if it hasn't existed, it hasn't existed in this way. Because basically, they, um, they're telling Zatanna they want her to lead the, Justice, lead the Justice League dark team. And she's like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm up to the test. And it's like, girl, what? You've done it before. A couple, like a, like a couple of times. <laughs> um, but I'm trying to remember the Justice League Dark before, and I don't remember um, him writing her like that so much. So I don't know if this is a new thing that he's trying, but I don't know. Something about my girls and their confidence. It's going down. Oh, yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> this is the year of hurting, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, Ram V also did have another series out that I didn't get a chance to read, but it's uh, his creator-owned series. I believe it's called The Mini Deaths of Layla Star. It's beginning rave reviews. And, you know, I, I intend to pick it up. I didn't get to it this week. But, again, it's Ram V. He is truly quickly becoming one of my faves. And I hope DC doesn't burn him out too quickly. Uh, and, like, he has a very long, illustrious career. That's my girlfriend. Okay. But... Um, Moving away from DC and getting over to the Marvel side of things, next up is we have Avengers 45. <laughs> and this comes from, I know, right? I know, right? This comes from Jason Aaron. Um, we actually had a guest artist. Uh, Javier Garan was off, so it is Luca Marchesa, I want to say. Let me actually have it written down. Luca Maresca is the name, and David Curiel does colors. Now, we all know I was not supposed to be picking this book up anymore. Yeah, I thought you was done. <laughs> Phoenix arc was just like, terrorism basically but this one was blade centric <laughs> always <got> you. <laughs> it always gets me like i don't know what it is it's i can't help it i like who i like um but so it was it's also weird because it was like a king and black tie-in but it didn't no, really no no <laughs> but it didn't do too much with king and black i don't know it was weird um but so basically there are some things that happened that 
Echo is again in the book. She was, remember the last time she is now the new host of the Phoenix Force, which is like, uh, you can tell it's kind of not going to last very long. She has a conversation with Robbie Reyes, who's the current ghostwriter, and they talk about how she's the Phoenix. She's like, I don't know how long I'm going to have this power. I don't know how long I'm going to be doing this, blah, blah, blah. And um, so she's like the Phoenix, like proper, like, yeah. This wasn't like some like alternate universe thing and like she came back and they were all watching this from some alternate dimension or something. She's mm-hmm. the host of the Phoenix. Echo is the Phoenix. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Robbie even asks her, he's like, what should I call you? And she's like, you can call me Echo. You can call me Maya. That's my name. <laughs> um, but they're, the, the moment they have together with their friendship is very cute. And I'll say it looks like it could build to something nice. Again, this is a Blade-centric issue. So we basically get when the... I don't know if you know, but Dracula has set up camp in Chernobyl to build his new vampire nation. This was something that happened very early on in the Avengers run. We've seen a little bit of it in Wolverine. It's been happening around the uh, Marvel Universe. So (laughs) this is actually when I dropped the book. (laughs) (laughs) This was like really early in the Avengers. It was like, yeah, it was like really, I think it was like issue seven or something like that. Yeah, that's when I dropped. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But I love vampires, and so I was... The storyline is actually really good. I think the way that it has been able to go throughout different parts of the Marvel Universe and still, like, be very connected has been very well done. You can tell that Marvel looks like they're trying to build the vampires up to something bigger and more than what they've always been, just, like, mindless monsters that Blade kills. So the Avengers end up going to Chernobyl because they've got some beef with Dracula. And, of course, they're like, oh, we're going to kill Blade. And Blade's like, no, I'm here to be the new sheriff of Vampire Town. To, like, keep you guys in check. Yeah, it was, like, really good. And so this is where I think Aaron kind of succeeds. Like, when he has a singular character who he obviously enjoys, and he just really gets to narrow down those character voices, he gets it. And it's like, okay, this is why you write comics. You don't need to do this, like, crazy Echo with Phoenix story. I'm sorry. I'm not here for it. I know it's going to last for at least a year. But let's move past it. Yeah. But uh, whatever this I, I mean, because we got to go through Heroes Reborn. Oh, yeah. That's and true. Then, and then once that's done, I'm pretty sure she's going to be on the new Avengers team still as the Phoenix. So, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, sh- her as the Phoenix could be the thing that fixes the universe or something. And, like, she gives it up. And that's what brings the heroes back or something. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense, but it's it's so wild that I could see that actually being what happens. <laughs> I can too, and that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's this book. It's it was it was a fun issue actually. Like this is another three point five out of five. I I, I give it some that's some funny. points deducted just because of like what this Avengers run kind of is and what it's turning into. Again, I think the next issue after this, we're going into Heroes Reborn, so we probably won't even get the next part of this until later in the year anyway. But mm. Blade and Vampires, I'm always going to be here for it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just, okay. I don't, the, the, the book has the characters I want. We've had Moon Knight, we've had Echo, we got She-Hulk, we got Blade, we got Man-Thing. Well, he's like Man-Boy now. But it's like, it's got a lot of folks that I enjoy. It's got Thor. I love it. Thor's like drunk in the book. Mm. It's, you know, the Phoenix is his mom. I still don't understand what's going on with that, but we're going to just go ahead and move on past that. 
Let's skip on over there. <laughs> um, oh, so next up on our list, we have the Mighty Valkyries number one. This is also from Jason Aaron, but um, we had he co-writes the book with, hold on, let me get that name, Turn Gronbeck. We have Mattia De Lewis on the art, and Marcio Menez is on the colors. Now, this story also has a backup for the new Valkyrie that appeared. Mm. And so this was in the Mighty's Valkyries King and Black tie-in miniseries where she came in, the new black one. And so we didn't know too much about her. So her whole backup story is basically her finding out her name, which we discover is Runa in the book. But the main oh, story cool. is kind of dealing with Jane. She's done with the King and Black stuff. She is a morgue assistant because she wasn't having time to do the things that she should do as a doctor. So they demoted her. But we do seem to be getting into a lot more Asgard stuff. Which is where I think Jason Aaron excels at. Mm -hmm. And so I'm loving it. Like, we see Carnilla. We get some Hela in there. Um, we have Loki and Jane fighting a little bit. She's saving him from, like, one of his wolf grandchildren things that's trying to kill him. Monster. It's fun. I love Asgard. So I feel like this is kind of exactly what I wanted from the Valkyrie series that we didn't get before. I feel okay. like a lot of I feel like a lot of that was dealing with Jane, which was, it wasn't bad, but a lot of it was kind of dealing with Jane and, like, again, her as the morgue doctor and just her life as a Valkyrie, but we weren't really in Asgard too much. She was, like, fighting random goons and, like, what's um, Wonder Man's brother's name? Uh, Grim Reaper? Yes. I think she fought Grim Reaper. That would make sense. He could, like, raise a dead, so, like, yeah. that makes sense. So, we, we, we had a lot of stuff of that, which was, like, fine, but... Again, like if I'm reading about a Valkyrie, I want to read about a Valkyrie dealing with stuff in Asgard. So yeah. Now, that, <laughs> yeah. now that we kind of seem to be getting to that stuff, it's uh, like this issue was great. I really enjoyed it. 3.5 out of 5 for sure. Okay, great. Story, I love the, that artist. Yeah, the, uh, the artist. So yeah, like, he did the Invisible Woman solo uh, series and it was really good. Like it is so good. He's got like a hyper-realism style, but it like works, which I'm usually not a huge fan of. Um, mm -hmm. I the artist before on Valkyrie was kind of like that, but I didn't enjoy that. I felt a little, it was a little too static. This one has really good movement. The, uh, it's great. It's beautiful. great. Yeah. Beautiful stuff. Beautiful stuff. Um, okay. Next up on the list, Nightwing 79 from Tom. Oh, yes. Bruno Ronaldo. Now, I'm not going to lie. I still haven't picked this up. And I still yep, want to because fair. I really do like Bruno Ronaldo's art. I think okay. Artist. I love his art. He did the Suicide Squad. I think I said that before. He did the Suicide Squad stuff, and I like that. So, but you're going to have to tell me about how this was and what happened. Okay. Um, I won't even be too long on this one because the issue was uh, still really, really great. Um, but you get a lot of just more character moments with with uh, Nightwing, and you can tell that Tom Taylor has his voice down as far as Nightwing just being a really good person. So there's these kids that, like, end up pickpocketing him and stealing his wallet and um <laughs> you know he's a billionaire now and oh, of, yeah yeah the last issue um we had learned that alfred like left him all this money because alfred passed oh, away i don't know how he, i don't know how he got killed i didn't read the batman issue where he got killed but he left him like a shit ton of money so he's a billionaire and um, he's basically, like, trying to see how he can do good now. And um, he's always felt like... He's always felt like Bruce could do the more 
could do better as Bruce than he could as Batman with like giving people money, <laughs> like helping people live. Yeah. So like he runs into like a homeless guy and his kid and like buys them um, a week at a, ho- a month at a hotel and stuff. And he's like buying people pizza and stuff. He's like, I'm going to start to give back. So you really feel like the qualities of Nightwing that you come to know Nightwing for and like his compassion and caring about people in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you learn that a lot of these kids are orphans because their parents are being killed and having their hearts stolen. So, um, not the yeah. heart stolen, <laughs> right? Um, and there's a That's shot, there's a scene of someone like really shooting a gun and like, <laughs> <laughs> no, because I was like, what side is my heart on? <laughs> um, there's a scene of this guy like shooting a gun and like ripping the heart out of this guy of this man and the kid like running away crying and stuff so uh, there's some sinister stuff going on in the background <laughs> while <laughs> while Nightwing is just like oh I'm going to do great and I'm going to do things to help people um everything going on in Bloodhaven right now is not that great um I will say fantastic issue uh 3.5 out of 5 easily okay. this run for me I think is going to be much better than what the Nightwing was before Tom Taylor joined, um, and yeah, before I think that about that. Yeah, as much as as much as people may not have liked the whole Rick Grayson thing when he got shot and like was amnesic, mm-hmm. I think that uh, now you can kind of look at that as like the rebrand <laughs> because he came after that is when Tom Taylor came on now, so you can kind of go from there and just look at it as like a whole. We can look past that point and go from here. So. I think okay. it's a great if you're a Nightwing fan, you want to see him flipping and kicking people's asses and stuff, but there's still like great dialogue and great story and you're really getting the feel of like Nightwing. Mm-hmm. I pick this issue for sure. Okay. Shout out to the Nightwing fans. You guys are finally winning. It's been yeah. a rough road. It's been rough. <laughs> the powers that be at DC did not like that man. <laughs> yeah. they, they say that his existence means that Bruce has to get older. So, <laughs> which is like you know. So uh, we might have to have a conversation about this another day. But I've actually just been thinking about comic characters and like aging and all that kind of stuff and how I actually wish it was happening a little bit more often. Me too. And I think that it's some people, some some of those older characters, I think have to. It's time to let them go. Just I for think a little we've point now with these characters, where it's time to move time forward or let time exist a little bit, you know. And I, and I and I don't even think that necessarily means sidelining them completely. I actually had this conversation on Twitter the other day because I was thinking about Wolverine, and I was kind of like. <sighs> I'm kind of like touch and go with the current Wolverine series. And so I was thinking about if I want to drop it. And I was like, but even if I was to keep up, what do I want to see Wolverine doing right now? Mm-hmm. And so many people were saying that he's kind of done everything. Just let him rest. Like, let him be how Bruce and Terry had that relationship in Batman Beyond. They were just like, let him be uh, the Bruce to Loris Terry, you know? And yes. Just, just I like, would love that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, why can't he just relax right now? And I think about, like, Bruce is the same way. It's just like, just go sit down for a little bit. Like, let everybody... Why do you think people loved um, Old Man Logan so much? Oh. I think people like to see that dynamic of, of Wolverine at this point, anyway, yeah. of him being more the, like, the mentor. The, the drunken master. It's just like... Yeah, yeah. 
Like, <laughs> oh, you know, and his bones are heavy. He's tired. Let that man rest. But that's 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 the story for him. Um, yeah. so that was Nightwing. That's cool. Next up on our list, we have Spider Woman number eleven, and this is from Carla Pacquiao. Yes, and Perry Perez with colors from Frank Frank DeMarta. Now, I started this, dropped it, and I'm jumping back in with this issue. Oh. God, I um, think you're right. Aren't you a Spider Woman fan? Like I am a Spider Woman fan. Like her. Um, okay. I, I enjoy her a lot. So the, the the first one, the first arc of this run was a little rough for me. It kind of deals with like Jess. She's been infected by something, so she's very aggressive with everyone. She's always yelling at people. It was just, it was kind of a turnoff. And it was like you get that it's supposed to be for a point, but it was just so excessive to the point that it was like I don't even care <laughs> what she's going <laughs> through. But we get a storyline with uh, she meets a brother who she never knew she exi- had. And we see an evil clone of her dead mother. There's all this weird stuff going on. She had like this new black and red suit that was very divisive among the fandom. This issue takes her back to basics. She's in her original red and yellow black suit thing. She's going around fighting crime, doing that, just having a good time. She's dating a guy named Roger. And And so they're at dinner and like some it's an attack happened, so she has to, like, leave the dinner, and Roger's like, okay, well, let me help you, and all this kind of stuff like that. She's like, no, I got it. Go home. Um, Make sure Jerry's safe. Jerry's her son. She's like, make sure Jerry's okay. Like, I got this. I do this. Blah, blah, blah. She's feeling good. At the end, when she gets back to the apartment, Roger's trying to talk to her, but she's kind of like, oh, I gotta get go to bed. I'm tired. I had to do all this stuff. I got a big day next week. Find out he has a wedding ring. It looks like he was about to propose to her. Oh. And the issue ends. So, very enjoyable. I mean, it was a lot more enjoyable than I have thought the series was beforehand. Again, like, I understand why Jess was kind of going through some of the issues she did before. It just wasn't enjoyable. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think now it's getting to a point where it's a little bit more enjoyable. Um, this feels more like the Jess that I like to read about. And I'm interested to see, like, the relationship with her and Roger has been, like, built up for the last couple of Spider-Woman runs, so it's very interesting. Oh, okay, this, this isn't, like, a random proposal. No, no, no. Okay. He's been around since Dennis Hopeless was on the book. Oh, wow, okay, since she yeah. was pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, think, I think a little bit after she got pregnant, so what, because he was actually, like, a villain, and okay. then he's, like, villain, and then he, like, turned on a leave, and then he was kind of being her babysitter for a while. And then slowly but surely the relationship built up and now they're together. Now he wants to propose. Um it's cute. No Carol in this issue though. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but three point five out of five for this one again. Um back to basis approach for Spider Woman. I think if you're interested in the Spider Woman, this is something you should pick up. I'd even say go back and pick up the um like the beginning half of the run, the first few issues, just because to see it it's not a bad book again i just wasn't interested in the story of just yelling at somebody every five seconds it was it was was a bit much um oh speaking of carol next up on our list is captain marvel 28 from kelly Ah, yes (laughs) (laughs) see i didn't need carol in there because she got her own book (laughs) and and um i won't even be long with this one because this run to me has been her best she's ever had easily um and if she gets to i think if she gets to 50 it'll be, it'll her be longest the longest her longest run 
Yeah. And again, I think because Kelly Thompson just has a really great handle on her voice. Like she really gets Carol and she isn't afraid of putting Carol through things. <laughs> um, I don't know if anybody's followed me and seen me like tweet about Captain Marvel or whatever, but I'm pretty critical about her because she's one of my favorite characters. She's yeah. uh, in my top 10 for sure. But they have always really rested on her name once she got to be Captain Marvel and just telling us like, oh, she's this premier uh, superhero, mm-hmm. Captain Marvel. And it's like, okay, well, what does that mean for her? And they would never go anywhere. And um, they would just have all these like girl boss moments of her uh, <laughs> talking about feminism and that would not be enough. <laughs> like you can't just, you can't rest on that. But this is, this series, in my opinion, has really like pushed Carol and you see who Carol is and you know that she's stubborn, but like you get that because that's just a part of the character. It's not frustrating because it's who she is. Yeah. Um, You expect her to really kind of push through. And so this arc is set starting with her magic arc. Um, So she is once she wants to learn about magic yeah. in the previous arc she was dealing with this uh villain ove who is the son of namor and amora from a possible future he made it in he made it into our like current timeline and it's just like out in the world she wants to figure out how to like how to stop him she's been having nightmares about like this future where she loses Mm -hmm. she's like i need to learn magic basically to like defeat him so She goes to Doctor Strange first because she's like, um, obviously, like, that's Sorcerer Supreme on Earth. I need to go to him if I'm going to learn something. Yeah. So she goes to him, and Spider-Woman is a... Spider-Woman makes a cameo in this, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she's... They're, like, talking, and she's like, I'm going to go talk to Doctor Strange. And she's like, why do you want to talk to him? And she's like, is it because y'all hooked up? And she figures out that they, like, just hooked up like in the previous issue and <laughs> she's making the situation a little awkward for them and she's like okay we're gonna talk about this later spider-woman leaves and carol is like i need to learn magic dr strange basically says no um <laughs> <laughs> and she's like no i really need to learn this because like oh and she t- she tells him the whole story and he's like no <laughs> you have no affinity for magic um and it takes years to learn magic. You can't just learn this overnight and go off and fight this person that you're trying to go and fight. And he says, you are someone who is extremely powerful and we know that magic is your weakness. Mm -hmm. You should have weaknesses. Someone as powerful as you needs to have weaknesses, which (laughs) makes a lot of sense. So I appreciated in this book, this wasn't going to be something of like Carol becoming, you know, going Super Saiyan (laughs) and. Yeah, because she doesn't need magic. No. (laughs) But I like the like the look into it about magic or whatever. And he pretty much takes her to this this place where she can kind of like he makes her think that she's learning doing things with magic. But really, it's just an illusion that he has her (laughs) going in her head. And he's like, I'm not teaching you it. So she goes around and asks pretty much every magic user in Marvel, Wiccan, uh, Pixie, and all of them say no. Oh, the team is showing <laughs> up in this issue. I might need to go pick it up yeah. then. Dr. Voodoo shows up, Scarlet Witch, oh, Talisman, Magic, 
Oh, um, okay, talisman. Really went to everybody, and they all, every single one of them said no. <laughs> and, except then it ends with her going to the final magic person, Amora, and uh, she goes to Enchantress, and she's like, I need your help. Let's make a deal. So... Matt Kelly trying to pull me on the Captain Marvel train. What? Yeah. yeah. And I think the next book is going to be about, I mean, the next arc is going to be like them working together or something and probably in Amora bullying <laughs> Carol. I, I feel like Kelly's like reading just a lot of this. <laughs> I was going to say, because you said she was like the villain of the other arc where she was in that future with Oak. Yeah. Now she's here. So and what you're telling me. was in the arc the uh, war, of the war, the war of the realms tie-in back um, in issues like I think seven or ten or something like that. It was early on. That whole so thing. Kelly Enchant- wants to write an Enchantress book, is what you're. I talking. think so. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what we she need to start. Really great Enchantress too. That's what we need to start putting the money on right there. Kelly on Enchantress. I'm here for that. Okay. Well, what would you rate this issue? I would give this issue a three point five out of five for sure okay. great, great great issue um they got a new artist and i enjoy their work i do obviously always i'm going to miss uh carmen canero on the in, on the interiors of the art um but i enjoy it okay great issue. i'm into that um is there anything that you feel as though like you know you you're a carol fan so you're always kind of looking for stuff and her do you feel like Carol, I mean, not Carol, Kelly is kind of hitting on aspects of Carol's personality that you've always wanted to see? Or is she just taking her in places that you didn't imagine, but you're still just enjoying it? I would say a little bit of both. Um, she's definitely been hitting on, I've always wanted to see more of her determination and stuff being shining through and not just being told that she's this great hero, but mm-hmm. her actually explaining that she wants to do well and she wants to try to do the best that she can um the one thing that you can always count on carol to do is push through <laughs> whether that's because she's super stubborn or because she is super powerful she's going to really like push through some kind of yeah. challenge and, and think things through in her own way and you really get inside of the head of carol with her inner monologues and stuff in these in this series whereas before you weren't getting a lot of that it was just Look at this cool splash page of her punching something, <laughs> you know. Okay. Um, so, and then on top of that, the stories are going in new places that I would have never have thought to take her because I've always known that her weakness was magic. I would so have never, never to her to go down a route of her learn trying to learn it, and it obviously going to blow up in her face because that's just not yeah. what's going to happen for her. And it'd be like an introspection of like you can't attain like perfection. It's okay mm-hmm. to be like a little messed up or whatever. So uh, okay. I think that's gonna be great. Interesting. All right. Okay. Carol, this has been a great time. I'm here for it. Yeah. Uh, well, I love that. I'm here for that for you. <laughs> you. you no, know, my, my faves mostly don't always be in great yeah, books. You know, um, I mean, I'm feeling some of that right now. So I feel that. Um, but you know, so next up on our list is Eternals number four. This is from Karen G- Gillen, uh, Issa Ribic, and Matt Wilson on colors. Now, I love Matt Wilson. He is like the guy for colors. Like him and Matt Hollinsworth are probably two of my favorite colors. And Jordi Valera. They're like some of my favorite colors in the biz. So it's like reading this issue, I was like just blown away by the sense of mood that he evokes. Throw him in there for me. 
Omar, yeah, he's great too. He is really. I, I've, I've actually got like a note in my phone that's full of colorists that I just really, really enjoy. <laughs> um, so and like he just like really helps elevate Ribic's art, which has a great sense of mood. It feels, it feels like I'm watching. It feels like I'm reading a movie a little bit. Right. Yeah. It's like it's like cinematography on the page. So I'm like really excited about that. Uh, the art is just yeah. The writing matches. Kieran is like everything. I'm an Eternals fan. I know I was been gonna Eternals ask. Fan. I was gonna ask if you're if we're ready to say because I think that like I am ready to say I'm an, an Eternals fan, fan now. Like <laughs> go ahead wow. and fan me up. It's it's um, just I'm it here. feels so fresh. It feels so new. It feels so and again maybe it's just because I don't know anything about the Eternals, but like I love everything that I'm reading about them, like the uh, machinations of the group um cersei and her kind of bluntness uh kingo and just (laughs) kingo (laughs) and just kind of like how he's playing to a type because he's this actor you know athena and her pragmatism uh thanos is like scary for once yes yes I, i can't tell you the last time i actually like genuinely feared seeing thanos in a comic book and forever so i was just like kingo is my favorite one is that oh, his name? The one that says that he's like a ninja. <laughs> he's yeah. amazing. Kingo, yeah. Fastos, and Cersei are my top three. Okay. I think I think mine are Kingo, um, Icarus, and Cersei. Like Icarus with I knew it was coming before you even said it. I was just like, he's about to say Icarus. That's um, that tracks. That tracks. I also enjoy Sprite. Sprite's funny. Sprite's really yeah. good um, comedic relief. Um, yeah, I, I, I just think all these Eternals are so interesting. This issue is a four out of five for me. No, it's a five out of five for me actually. I was gonna say I think Eternals might be my pick of the week. Yeah, um, this was it was it was bomb. This is a great issue. Everyone should go read. It. I don't even know like how to explain it anymore. I think just the history that we're learning of the Eternals and kind of like their resurrection process and like someone's killing gods, all of the mystery, like it's good. Go and read it. Yeah. Um, I I thought that scene with Daniel saying um, against the telepath, I think I can't think of the, that uh, Eternals name, the one who everyone assumes is the traitor. And oh, we yeah. actually learned. <laughs> I won't spoil the ending, but we learn more about him. <laughs> and uh, what was his name? Uh, Druig? Druig, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Something. That scene when he was like in that telepathic room with Thanos, and um, Druig was like, Oh, I'm like calling for more Eternals. You can't possibly think that you could take on all of them. And Thanos was like, I've defeated death and wiped out half of the universe. Of course, I think I can take on a bunch of Eternals. Like everything. Like everything. <laughs> everything. I love it. I like, I love it. it. I yeah. just loved it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very excited. I'm I'm definitely in this book for the long haul. Yeah, for sure. So I added that to my uh, my list. <laughs> okay. Um, so next up on our list, we got X Force 19 from Benjamin Percy. Now I did not read this. Um, I have not been on the X Force train for a while. How are you feeling about this book? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. Mm, okay. Okay. I have thoughts about this book, and they are that the the writing is fine, 
right? Okay. <laughs> the art was terrible. Oh no. I'm sorry. Is Kasara like still not on the he is not. No, the artist for this was uh, Gary Brown. I think that's how you pronounce the name. And uh, it was... I'm trying to think. I, don't know. I feel like I've seen something with Gary Brown's art, if it's the same person I'm thinking of. And I feel like I've liked it in the past. Well, I'll, maybe I'll show you some pages of this. <laughs> yeah, playing, show, me some pages. show me some pages. It's <laughs> <laughs> not good. Um, but this is, again, following more about the the arc of more self-discovery with Quentin Choir and everything with him going on. Supposedly he's got this, like, there was this, like, psychic vampire thing or that was attacking on Krakoa, which has been a running theme, I feel like, in a lot of these books. There's some, like, thing in the background <laughs> that is attacking kind everyone on the island. Like, kind of um, haunting them a little bit. Oh, that's true, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Hmm. A lot of these ex- has something some plot point where something is creeping in the background. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they connect all with each other. Who knows? But um, it doesn't seem that way yet. And in this issue, you learn that the people who had been, like, taking pieces of Domino's body in the beginning, I don't know if you were on in the book earlier, but, like, they were taking pieces that. of Domino's. Well, uh, someone else has been taking body parts of Quentin Quire because he's been dying all this this whole run. Yeah. <laughs> someone has been taking those body parts and they like made their own Quentin Quire, and that is what has been attacking all of them. And he's basically had to go into the mindscape with the help assistance of Jean. She taught Jean. I'm sorry, Jean taught Quentin and um. I always get her her name wrong. I forget which cuckoo is supposed to be Phoebe. <laughs> that he's dating. <laughs> um, they, she taught them like these tricks of how to re- navigate the astral plane and like attack on it and stuff. It was kind of cool if you're really into uh, the telepaths and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I will say the issue overall was all right. The art was not very good. Um, this has been some great stuff if you're really interested in Quentin Choir. But for me, I joined this book for. Uh, the team, I wanted to see more of like the team together and like their dynamic with each other instead of like specific character arcs. But it's nice that Quentin is finally getting one because I don't think he's ever really had too much of his like backstory kind of told here and more of his like personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so anytime that he is acting nicer or different than he was before, <laughs> um, they kind of chalk it up to, oh, he's trying something different. Phoebe even says in the book, like, Oh, you're like being really. Uh, Gina's like, oh, you're being really different. And Phoebe's like, let's be nice to him. He's like trying something different. So we're kind of getting a, a new Quentin Choir, basically. Do you enjoy this new Quentin Choir? Um, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's what you there. I don't care. So <laughs> he's just Quentin Choir to me. Like, I get it. You're an Omega level telepath. Fantastic. Uh, I'm ready to get more into like the wet works and stuff of the X-Force and the dynamic of the team and how they were dealing with Krakoa. Um, the one thing about this book, if I'm not really into the team in these X-Books, I'm usually in it so that I can be convinced that I can like the character mm-hmm. or at least like learn more about Krakoa. So 
give me more Krakoa if I don't like the character. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, what you're saying is you just want more Krakoa. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, what would you rate this one? I would give this a 2.5 out of 5. A 2.5 out of 5. Okay. All right. That's a that's book. <laughs> All right. So um, moving on, we uh, a new book this week, Way of X number one. Krakoa. <laughs> Speaking of Krakoa, one that's very exciting. Um, this comes from Simon Spurrier and Bob Quinn with colors from Java Tartaglia. Now, I like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't like that. I don't like that little response you just gave me. You didn't like this? I thought this was great. Not, I, I didn't dislike it. I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was amazing. Um, I thought it was okay. Yeah. Okay. It was okay. I the the interior art for me was just okay. I will um, say I will say it ranged from art. okay to not being good. <laughs> I will say that the art probably for me was uh the lowest point. You know, Bob Quinn's mm-hmm. I just, I feel like Bob Quinn's style doesn't really equal I guess the heaviness of what the narrative is trying to push. Yes. In certain points. Um. So a lot of the conversations. So basically, the issue follows Kurt, and he's kind of dealing with all his own little qualms about Krakoa and the Crucible. And we kind of start to look at the Crucible as a, in a different way than we did from X Men Sevens, however long ago when we had Apocalypse fighting Arrow, so she could get her mutant powers back. Now we're kind of seeing it in more of a negative light, and it looks more just like murder, than, which it kind of always was. <laughs> but. <laughs> I guess now instead of having like the hype and beauty of the resurrection process, we're really just looking at like what's actually happening is that it's like someone is being murdered in our face. And we have like this random new mutant who comes to find Kurt and you know celebrate it too. I feel like that is yeah. like the big thing that is an issue is that we're celebrating someone watching someone get murdered. Yes. But very very old school gladiator things here. <laughs> um but, you know, um, we see that Kurt, the mutant who was coming up to Kurt trying to ask for help kept telling him, I'm lost, I'm lost, I'm lost. Uh, this mutant was actually in this Crucible match and was being attacked by Magneto. And we kind of see Kurt jump out there to try and save them. But the mutant, like, stands up anyway. Then Magneto, like, kills them and they get their powers back and all this stuff like that. Um, it's a nice moment, again, to show the differences of the crucible we're no longer looking at it as something positive and something happy to be celebrated we're really just looking at it from the nitty-gritty of this is kind of bad this is hurting someone this is like being celebrated we're like celebrating somebody's torture and it's like is that really okay and what does that do then we also have the background story going um the kids on Krakoa have been talking about someone called the Patchwork Man, who is apparently, like, giving kids nightmares, and he's, like, infiltrating dreams, and he's trying to make people do all these bad things. Uh, we come to find out that it looks like the Patchwork Man is none other than Legion, who I love. <laughs> I love. Are you a Legion fan? I am. I didn't know that. I am. Okay. It's, it's, it's very quiet because I feel like he does. I mean, it's Legion. He don't do too much, yeah. He, he, he don't do too much. He comes in to be crazy. And like go about his day and try and ruin Professor Xavier's life, but whatever. But I think a lot of things that we've had for him, I really like the original Legion Quest story, uh, mm. especially when yeah. like Bishop Storm, Bobby, and Betsy went in the past to try and find him as well. Where that led to the Age of Apocalypse as we know it. And 
I really loved what Simon Spurrier did with Legion during his X-Men Legacy run. If you've never read that, I highly recommend it. Like, go on Marvel Unlimited or something, pick it up. It's a really great read. He did a lot of good stuff with Legion and Blindfold, actually, who we get a little bit of in this book as well. We see that Kurt is at Blindfold's grave. And we actually have Legion kind of like revealing himself to Kurt and talking about she was a precog. What could she have seen that made her want to kill herself? And mm-hmm. then it's, and then we also start kind of getting into the shadiness of Krakoa. And it's like, you know, doesn't Krakoa kind of have this unwritten rule that the precogs can't be up or they can't be resurrected? And it's like, why is that? Why don't you want people there who can see the truth and see the future? So I like what Simon Spurrier is doing with a lot of this book and the questions that he's raising and the implications of it philosophical, uh, societal, all that. I'm into it. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. For me, it just felt like it was just okay <laughs> as, as far as the the, um, the questioning and stuff there. I appreciated what he was saying. I like the Legion portions of it better. When he's when Legion started to come into it and ask about the pregogs, then it got a little bit better to me. Um, I did, I liked the way Magneto was portrayed in this, you know, Magneto's top five for me. So, like, I was looking out for that, and that was great. I will say, as fantastic as I enjoy Exodus's um, campfire moments, I wish that he was finally in an ongoing, <laughs> like, I put my boy in a book. Um, I wonder what they're waiting for for him. Yeah, I have no idea. I would love to see him in something, though, because, you know, I love him. So, I would give him more stuff than just. I could see up him, the pretender. I was about to say, I could see him potentially playing a bigger role in this book. This kind of seems like the thing that's right up his alley, just in terms mm. of like philosophy and like speeches and like leading and like right from wrong and kind of all that stuff. Like that is the vibe. I mean, you might be able to tell me a little bit better, but like that's always the vibe I've gotten from Exodus a little bit. That he's a very like philosophical character. I've actually always kind of had the dream that Kurt and Exodus would kind of replace Magneto and Charles as like the two head figures. Oh like, yeah. We'll look up to because I feel like they both kind of like ride those waves of ideology. Yeah. Exodus is very philosophical in his demeanor in the way that he talks about things. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> you know, it's very I don't know, he has an air about it, a very specific kind of flair with the way that he talks about mutant kind and everything like that. And mm-hmm. um not necessarily religious. Obviously, it's his name is Exodus, so there's some of that there. But I think that that's more in the the definition of it being, you know, a mass exodus of like leading a people versus it actually relating to any kind of religion. So I think that mm-hmm. he would probably be the opposition to a Nightcrawler in this. You know, he was yeah. obviously for the Crucible, Very and so. and he he was the one giving that fantastic other campfire to the kids about the heroes of Krakoa and how Magneto is the hero of Krakoa and everything. Mm-hmm. So um, if they emphasize that, that would be great. I just yeah. want that on like an ongoing instead of just around a campfire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I said, I feel, I feel like if there is any book that's going to do that, I feel like this is the one. So I'll cross my fingers for you. For some exodus. Again, like I said, I want. Make, I want that makes me think you know something. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say I will cross my fingers for some Kurt Exodus interaction, which is what I've always wanted. Um, okay. So I would rate this issue a 
four out of five. I really, really enjoyed it. I love the narrative. I love the questions that we got to ask. I love kind of, again, the different side of the Crucible. The only reason I just don't really care too much for the art, again, I don't think it's the worst, but I don't think it's the right tone for this book. I would give this a three out of five. Okay. It was okay. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> All right, and last but certainly not least on our list, we have Sword Number Five. Certainly not least. Skeezy, um, and our, uh, colors from Marte Gracia. Now, I don't, I, I don't know what you guys want me to say. That, that's a dream team right there. You already, you already know what I'm going to say, actually. <laughs> you already know what yeah. I'm going to say about this book. Um, mm-hmm. I loved it. I, so, we get the resurrection of Cortez. And we knew from uh, the previous issue with the King of Black tie-in, he wanted to kind of talk to Magneto about some stuff about, like, the second law of Krakoa and all that stuff, which is murder no human. And he basically gives this gigantic speech about why that's wrong and why they should be allowed to murder humans. Because (laughs) I guess Cortez just wants to go around killing some people. And he completely makes a fool of himself. And it was all due to Magneto. Magneto called the meeting. He made everybody show up. He's had them sit down and listen. But it wasn't because he actually wanted to hear what Cortez had to say. He just wanted him to make a fool of himself. And he wanted him to know, remember basically his place. (laughs) I love Magneto. And so that entire scene was well done. And then on the side of it, we have Amelia Vault, who is one of the S.W.O.R.D. members. She is the teleporter for the team. She is teleporting someone around who is killing the royalty that's going on with the Snark War. So I'm not going to lie. I don't know too much about what's going on in the Snark War and this whole, like, intergalactic thing. I don't know if it's something I missed in one of the other cosmic books or... You know, you ain't missed much. It's just, like, a dumb war like that that's going on that Ewing uses as, like... <laughs> the cannon fodder. <laughs> right. That's yeah. happening. Um, so we, you know, that she's transporting someone around who's like killing these people. And then during the meeting of Cortez and Magneto, she teleports in with this person who we find out is actually one of the Araco mutants. And yeah. uh, they come in and they let them know that this mutant is actually going to be Cortez's replacement because Cortez can't be trusted, obviously. Like we always do <laughs> that. Um, but that was like super exciting for me. One, we know I'm all about Araco and the mutants of Araco. And so it was like super exciting to actually see them. And then it's just like, it was, it looked beautiful. It like, looked dope. She looked cool. <laughs> like she was everything. Cora of the, the Burning Heart, I think it was Fireheart, something like that. Um, iconic. I love the way that her powers work too, with like she is like, this intense flame and like she can like share it and like boost your powers or whatever. I think that's really cool. Like bomb. Like I love it. I love I love that the creativity of the Araco mutants is like continuing on. And I wonder if they've already got pretty they much storm the scene when they come up. <laughs> and you know, and I'm not even gonna lie, when they, when they when we when I first read X of Swords, I was kinda like, I don't care about these Araco mutants. Like they're not that exciting. And then I went back and reread the whole thing like as a whole and I've reread it a couple of times since then. Araco is everything. <laughs> yeah. I want an Araco book so bad. And I love the designs that they're coming up for so many of these different Iraqi mutants and it makes me wonder if they've already got a giant list and like create a batch of ones who they want to introduce over time or if they're just making them up on the fly I need to know they need to let me know in X summit I got (laughs) oh for real yeah 
We need an invite. Because <laughs> I, got, I got some notes. <laughs> I got some notes and some things to say. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, this book is fantastic. I give it a four out of five. I'm at Damn a four. I'm, 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 this is also a five out of five for me. I loved everything about it. I especially loved when Magneto and uh, Amelia started flirting with each other. <laughs> oh, you mean uh, Mag, uh, Xavier and yeah. Amelia? Yeah, yeah. 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 I thought that was really cute because it was like, oh. (laughs) He was was like, oh, I I love how it was just like, he just said her name first. He's like, oh, Amelia. (laughs) It's like, I don't think we've had a conversation since you've been here. And she's just like, what's up? (laughs) And she was like, oh, you know, if you're not too busy. And he was like, oh, you know, I'm never too busy for you. (laughs) I I, kind of love Xavier. He's a dog, (laughs) but that's my boy. It's funny. I like. I loved it a lot. I also really enjoyed the moment where um, uh, they are again making a fool of Cortez, and Xavier is like, I'm sorry, Magneto is like, I've killed people. Like that's no, that's everybody know that I've done it. But those are things in the past, and right now we do have rules. And yeah. you've been sitting here talking about the problems that humans have, you know, caused you or whatever, and things that I've done to you. Tell me the things that they've done to you have been worse than what they've ever done to me. And I was like, yeah. all right. That's a word. That's a <laughs> That's word. A word. You, really, you really have had some good Magneto moments this era. Like, yes. Every Magneto yeah, moment like... has been good. Yes. That's been if pieces. there's one thing I can count on, at least for this Kokoa era, is that at least my Magneto stuff is getting good. Yeah. That's going to be it. That's it. That was good. It was a great issue. This was a great week for comic books in general, actually. Like, yeah, I don't... Even things that I didn't really like, I, if, it, if I didn't love it, I still enjoyed it enough. Great week for confidence. Love that. Love Agreed. it. Agreed. So, with that, let's go ahead. Let's take a little break. We are back. All right, welcome back, everybody. For we're gonna have a another rewatch this week, but this time we are going to come back for Invincible next week. This time we are going to talk about the new Mortal Kombat movie that just came out uh, that was on HBO Max, um, and in theaters in select places. Yes, yes. <laughs> if you are so free many. of your national <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> Right. If the restrictions allow you to go to a theater, then yes, you can see it in theaters. Uh, but they, it's a part of the the deal where HBO Max put all of the, I think all of the movies that premiered in 2021 on oh, HBO I'm Max. To streaming. And, and proving my point that they put all of the movies that aren't good up there for that, this movie lines up right along with that. I they, liked it. It was bad. So, <laughs> I, so okay, so I let's think that it. let's get into it. Let's get into it. So <laughs> I enjoyed it. I will admit that it had a lot of problems. I think that they tried to put a lot of stuff in the movie that did not need to be in there. The entire uh, character that Lewis Tan played, Cole, should have been. It, I don't even understand the thought process of why he was in there to begin with. Like right. he completely detracted from the story. It was completely unnecessary. And I think everything that he <laughs> had, he also cannot act. Um, and <laughs> I think that everything that he had could have been given 
to either the other characters to flesh them out a little bit more or just giving more into the actual tournament so we could have had an actual tournament. We spoke about this tournament the entire movie and then they did all the fighting there before it actually happened. <laughs> it happened. So it's just kind of like, what is that even doing for yourselves? And, you know, not even like, not to give too much to Lewis Tang, but I just don't care for him in general. I've seen him in a couple of things. And um, he was also in Iron Fist. Right. Dang. He was the one that uh, back when Iron Fist was coming out, he was, even though he was in it, he was, he was a part of like, yeah, like, he would try to talk a lot. So, so first of all, so I remember this distinctly when it happened, because I was like actually following Louis Tan at the time, because, you know, I mean, I'm really into martial arts, so I follow like yeah. a lot of like guys who are stunt creators who do those type of things. And so he was one of he's those. He's like people. a legit, he's an actual martial yeah, artist. Yeah, he's a fighter. And so... I remember like when Iron Fist came out and how excited he was about it. And he was just like, oh, yeah, this is a great show. Like, don't worry about the controversy and all this other kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. But then, I don't know, something happened and somebody was like, oh, he should have been Iron Twitter. Fist. <laughs> Twitter told so, him he should have been it. As soon as that happened, he did a complete 180 on that show. And he just, like, trashed it the entire time. And I'll never forget watching. And I was just like, oh, wow. I was like, that's crazy that this is happening in, like, real time for me. And so um, then he's been on a couple of other things. And he's just always kind of had, like, a little bit of a bad attitude from what I saw online. So I ended up unfollowing him. So when I heard he was a a part of this movie, I genuinely was, like, not excited. I was like, oh, I don't think this is... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was that act- gave it away. I was actually kind of like, oh, no, this is not going to be a good thing for this. And so, again, once I started watching the movie, I enjoyed a lot of it, but I feel like every scene he was in dragged the movie down, and it could have been completely cut. And I, I just truly don't understand why he was there. I thought his whole... I did like how they had the little uh, Arca- Arcana thing to give them their like special abilities to like make sense of that. I thought that I was thought a nice. That touch. was cool. Yeah. That uh, was nice. And it like it made sense. So why Sonya is shooting like these little purple rings from her arm and all this stuff? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? um, it makes sense. I, of it. I did not like Cole's Arcana. Like the. What the was it? And then he started making weapons. Like it was bad. Like everything about his characters was just bad. And so it's like, I truly feel like if you take him out of the movie, you get something that is so much more enjoyable. Um, I thought everything with... But he was the main character. That's how you know the movie is bad. <laughs> <laughs> you have to remove the main character it's from the movie. <laughs> the other people are there. They can do the things as well. He's, he's uh, supposed to be like the point of view character that means and it's, like, the and it's also movie. weird because we didn't see anything like really from his point of view no <laughs> <laughs> we just got really bad shots that like stayed on his face far too long that emphasized that he's a bad actor oh so bad of an actor and then his, he had the weakest fight scenes of the entire film like yes. the entire film every scene all of his aside from the MMA fight where he was like getting beat up and that's <laughs> And that's mainly because he was getting beat up and the other guy was putting all the effort. But, like, anything other than that, he just was not hitting. Um, I did really love Kano, the actor who played him. I feel like he was a great Kano. He was very obnoxious. You hated him. He was rude. Yeah. He was divisive. Like, he was great. He uh, was good. The actors Reptile who played was whack. I did, so I wanted him to, like, change into a human form. Yeah, like, like the, <laughs> I want him to actually be 
a, mar- a fighter. The fact that he stayed the lizard the entire fight, it was like, and I get it, like, we've seen Reptile in his, like, lizard form in the games before, but it was just kind of like, show me a green suit. That's what I... <laughs> yeah. I've show never understood a- why, I've never understood why so many different, like, creatives and the studios that back them want to, like, give their interpretations of things instead of the version that people know. <laughs> like, if we wanted your version of it, we'd just ask you to create that thing. People want what they know. So give them what they know. Just show me reptile. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I came here to see. Um, I did, I, but that's one thing I was, I did like a lot of the little Easter eggs that they put in for the movie. Um, even though we didn't see a lot of the cast, which I really do kind of wonder what the thought process was behind like the characters who we picked and we got to see. I didn't mind the whole thing. <laughs> You know, obviously we get our basics of Liu Kang, Sonya, Jax, but then just like on the other side of things, like Melina, um, Natara. Like why? <laughs> and Natara got a bad what showing. What happened to Tara in this? She got a bad showing also. She didn't do anything. Exactly. Like we literally watched her fly into a hat. Like <laughs> you know, she got a really bad showing. I felt kind of bad for her. Um. So I just wonder what, but again, I like what they she were trying to get to a movie before Katana. They had Katana's fan, at least, you know, <laughs> to, to, let, to let us know she's there, to let us know she was there. But again, it's, 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 oh, but again, that's my thing. And you know, I'm a Katana stan. Like, that's my girl. So I was, I wanted to see her very much. So, but I'm also kind of, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Jade, I'm a Jade stan. Um, I'm also so. kind of okay with the fact that she didn't show up in this. <laughs> Same, yeah. I'm glad my favorite show up in this because woo. <laughs> and then again, and I enjoyed the movie for the most part. Um, I think a lot of what they tried to do with the story, you can tell that they were trying to put a lot of stuff in there to not only build on to a sequel, but to build on to like other franchises as well. You can tell they want maybe like a show or two from this, maybe like a couple of mini series here and there. <clears throat> the only thing I honestly want is something about the Lin Quag. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's also, so oh, let, let, let's circle back. Let's actually talk about Bihan and Hanzo. Talk about two guys who were perfectly cast. They, yeah, they knocked were... out. Like, Scorpion and Sub-Zero did that. That very first fight scene with the Lin Kuei attacked the Shirayu uh, camp, and he was killing everybody, and they had that fight? Everything. Everything. I'm not sure if you've ever seen the um, Mortal Kombat Scorpion's Revenge animated movie. But this open is the same kind of opening. Like, oh, I just really? watched that for the first time recently, yeah. Um, and it's also on HBO Max. So I was like, let me watch this. You know, I love I love animations. And I will say, like, the fights in that are giving. The animation in it are giving is giving. Animation. And I had a feeling, right? <laughs> um, I really do think it's my preferred, like, form of this stuff. And I had a feeling that maybe they were going to, like, do this in live action because the story in that feels a little bit more grounded. Um, because you're like following Scorpion and stuff like that, but literally they have the same kind of opening for these, so uh, mm-hmm. that was really cool to see. Okay, that's cool. I looked that up too, and and that's another thing too. It's like except how you about except the difference there is <laughs> mm-hmm. to further prove your point. Um, in the live action one, they have that baby. In the animated version, there was no baby, aka there was no Cole. There so, was no Cole. Like, like we did not need Cole. Like literally. 75% of the movie's problems would be erased if we got rid of Cole. Like, yes. I'm 100% sure about that. I was because... not expecting that baby to even, like, 
be involved in this at all. First and of all, first of all, the whole thing with the baby was weird anyway because you got this baby who like will not shut up. It will not stop <laughs> screaming. But then as soon as people start getting uh, killed, it's quiet as a mouse. It's quiet, yeah. But then once everybody's dead, he starts screaming again. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no. Um, the, the call was dumb. I, I, I really want to talk to whoever was in charge of the story so we can be like, what was the problem? With yeah. The hundreds of other Mortal Kombat characters that already exist. <laughs> like, like you could have pulled anybody else. <laughs> like, really? Literally, you could use like Striker, and yes. the exact same kind of like storyline is like the human guy who like gets pulled in. I, I and that's one thing I will say. I kind of liked how they did the champions thing that they just all had the marks on them already. I thought that alleviated a lot of issues for us in like getting these people together. If we already know that like we're looking for these specific ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. Yeah, but nah. I didn't like that only the girl didn't have one. I was about to say, I did not like that only didn't have one, despite being the one who, like, kind of discovered what it was all about. Like, what the hell? <laughs> but I also don't really like Sonya Blade, so it was like, whatever. That's I mean, fair, fair. I get it, yeah. Um, We needed, we needed some Katana and some Jade in here to kind of, like, offset the ladies who we got. <laughs> yeah. There were no ladies. There was one. There was only Sonya. <laughs> Melina was there. I'm a loser. Uh, um, she was kind of there. I wonder if uh, if they get a sequel and they do bring Katana <laughs> in. Since Melina and Katana are supposed to be, you know, since Melina's a clone of Katana, I wonder if they'll use the same actress for her. I wonder that too. But then that made me wonder if they like... Uh, would they cast someone else for it? Or because yeah. my thing is also like um Katana's very much an Asian woman. So. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't make Katana black? Because yeah, Melina's definitely black. Yeah, so there's a lot of questions. I don't know. We'll see. That's what they see. We won't know yet. We won't know yet. I hope they do. But if they do, they need to cut Cole out. We need to get rid of Cole. He is the weakest lead. He cannot. I Go ahead. And his fight with Goro. So, I'm <laughs> again, this is why I say like all his fight scenes were the worst because it's like that fight scene did not make any sense. The girl has four arms, mm-hmm. six, however many arms girl has, and he is like pounding into you. And this man is very strong and he is very big and you are very small and very human. How is your head not getting smashed open? He's talking about, I'm about to rip you to shreds. Why are you telling him he's going to rip you? Or you're going to rip him? Just rip him. Right. Just do it. What do you mean? Bagoro yeah. looked good. He looked he, great. The CGI on Bagoro didn't look that bad, I guess. The looked- blood, I will say, in this movie, I couldn't tell if it was done on purpose because mm-hmm. it looked so cartoony <laughs> the way that it like came out. I wasn't sure if they were just like, it was just a video game nod. Um, I think that I'm going to assume so. I would hope so. (laughs) I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt there. I will say that I did enjoy all of the like video game nod moments. Mm -hmm. Uh, The I loved the continuous sweep kick that he was doing to that Liu Kang was doing to Kano. He was like, you know, is that the only move you're going to know how to do? I thought that was (laughs) cute. cute. Um, When even the moment with Cole and he was fighting um, Goro and his daughter, which I don't know why he needed a daughter, but his daughter, like, that was just was like, movie. hey, oh, don't forget your uppercut. I thought that that was kind of like a cool moment. 
the the whole Cole family thing because it also he felt too young to have like right, right. <laughs> and that like girl they, like she was like 15 years. yeah so when they like first got on scene together i thought it was maybe like a little sister or something like that but then you know the her mom came up and then they started kissing so i was like oh maybe this is like an adopted daughter or something like that but i was like oh no i think they're trying to tell that like this is his family <laughs> It just was odd. Everything with Cole was odd. Or maybe she's supposed to be the... Is she the bloodline that, you know, Scorpion said he needed to protect? So that's, that's also what I... That's where I thought they were going to kind of go with it or what they were trying to do with it. But again, I just kind of want to get rid of Cole. I don't even want to think about it. Mm. Like, sequel, he's dead. That's what should happen. I will say that I enjoyed the Scorpion versus Sub-Zero fight. That looked, That was probably where all the budget went into. Um, Most definitely. The ice wall that Sub-Zero made was really cool. I thought that it was really slick when Scorpion, you know, used his uh, his throw move and pulled mm-hmm. that sword and caught it and all that. I thought that was really cool. Um, so that fight was dope. That I'll give him that. Both of those were really good. I, I really liked the final fight between um, Kano and Sonya. Oh, her girl boss fight when she uh yeah. <laughs> when she when she when she when she got her little she mark her, and she did. Yay, it's like yay, yeah. you get the right hand, man. Yeah, I thought that was nice. That was fun for her. And I, I but I always love a good Kano Sonya feud. Yeah. Um see that to me felt like again, it was one of those things where they realized that certain moments had to happen. Mm-hmm. So instead of writing a competent story to get you to those moments. They just kind of threw those things in there because, so that, so like, one thing the end, it was like, oh my gosh, we're all in this, or, or like towards the end, they were like, oh, we're all in this random white void space that he put us in, and we're gonna mm-hmm. put everybody off into your own matches. It would have made sense, like Sonya suggested, for her to go fight Melina because that would be a rematch. But mm-hmm. it wasn't written that way, and we needed to have the <laughs> Kano fight, so she got to go fight Kano. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I will say that one thing that I wish the movie would have done a little bit more is relied on thinking that the audience already had a prior knowledge of Mortal Kombat. Like, no matter what kind of moviegoer you are, who you are, I feel like if you're watching a Mortal Kombat movie, you have some type of general knowledge about Mortal Kombat, whether, either whether it's the game um, or you saw one of the previous movies. So I feel like a lot of things that we already know, Kano versus Sonya, Liu Kang makes a fire dragon... Uh, Kung Lao, being Kung Lao, certain things like that didn't really need to be explained as much, and they could have just done it. And we just would have been like, okay, that's fine. And again, and there were definitely some editing issues and some pacing issues for the film that could have helped. Again, I think a lot of that was Cole's fault. (laughs) (laughs) And bad writing. There were some bad writing. Uh, There were some choices. They were trying to fit a lot in, and you can tell that they were trying to fit a lot in. And again, like I said, you can tell that they want some type of franchise spinoff potential here with all the different origin stories and like places you could go. And then we still got to get a tournament. We got to find other champions now. Like they want to do a whole thing. And it's like we didn't have to work so hard to get there. The costume choices, in my opinion, were also bad. The costume designs were not very well done. Scorpion's costume was not very well done. The moment when Sub-Zero took his mask off and it was supposed to be metal, but it was rubber bouncing on the ground in slow-mo was bad. Oh, was that what that was supposed to be? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it 
was bad. Like, <laughs> um, again, I feel like why not? Why not make his costume look more blue? <laughs> why not make Sub Zero's? I mean, Scorpion's costume. You know, give him more of that yellow design. Why not give the people what they kind of are looking for instead um, of giving this like cheap? Like it was giving fan film for for me. I mean, I didn't mind the costumes of Sub-Zero and Scorpion. I thought they were fine. Honestly, everyone else, I did not even pay attention to their costumes. I didn't like Shang Tsung's, um, and I didn't like Raiden. I do remember that. Shang Tsung's weak. Yeah, that was not given. <laughs> like, that wasn't given at all. That was really upsetting. Uh, I didn't like that. I didn't like the guy who played Raiden. I didn't mind the fact that he was kind of like an asshole, because I think Raiden should be an asshole. But um, everything else about his personality, I wasn't really that into. I also, I didn't, I noticed the, like I said, kind of the bad editing choices that they had, where the whole scene where they finally got the team together, and they're going to go talk up with Raiden, and they, they're like in Raiden's like room or whatever. Mm-hmm. Cole and Raiden are having this conversation, and Louis Tan, I think, is like 6'3". Whoever mm-hmm. was playing Raiden is like 5'9". <laughs> but <laughs> but they would have scenes where <laughs> Louis Tan was looking up at Raiden. <laughs> Raiden <laughs> but then it would switch and <laughs> Raiden would be looking up at Louis Tan because Louis Tan is obviously uh, like, taller than him. So like I they see. weren't picking like very good scenes. <laughs> I, I will say though that I hated that entire scene with like Raiden and um Lewis Tan talking about you know and he was telling him like oh you're the descendant of one of the greatest ninjas to ever exist and blah 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 and because Lewis Tan was having such a visceral reaction to that and it's just like why would they you even care act. <laughs> like it was just like this is so bad like why are you trying to make me feel like this is something you actually care about when it's like not anything you should at all but and why would I didn't like why the camera like decided to focus on his face during that because his facial expressions were not very good. Yeah, he feels like he could have been in the Snyderverse. Yeah, that seems right. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the type of place he should be at. Um, or I still have fun. No, he's not. The CW is a little better. You think so? Oh yeah, the C the CW has some actors. Okay. I can't think of their names right now. <laughs> but they've got some actors on their roster. I'm sure of it. If you say so, because uh, from what I've seen, it'll be given. And what shows are on the CW right now? Arrow still on? Or did it get canceled? That's Flash. Funny. Legends of Tomorrow. That show is terrible. Um, what do you think Legends of Tomorrow? Um... They say it's fun. Mm. I've actually heard good things about all of the CW shows, to be perfectly honest. Like, I've always heard, you know, obviously the budget is not there, but I've heard the shows <laughs> are very, uh, the very enjoyable, um, and they feel very much like comic book films. This new um, Superman and Lois show, mm. I heard nothing but rape reviews about it. Mm. The CW's content always gives me, like, be happy that they're on screen. Just be excited to see them on screen. I watched Arrow. I watched maybe like the first three seasons of Arrow. It was alright. I liked it. I didn't watch after that, though. It got real bad after that. <laughs> <laughs> the first three seasons were good. 
and then it got real bad after that. There, there's a CW, there's a CW show I like. I'm pretty sure. Mm. I'm well, a, I'm think a, about it and come back on that. Um, <laughs> and I will have to see if it's as good or worse than Mortal Kombat because right now Mortal Kombat is not good. What would you rate this movie? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> That's such a tricky question, you know, uh-huh. because it's like there's just so many different facets of this movie. I don't even know where to start rating What's it from. <laughs> like, am I ra- am I rating from the movie that's featured Louis Tan? Am I rating from the movie I imagine in my head that doesn't have Louis Tan? Am I? <laughs> Um, but what's my scale? It's like five, ten, fifteen. Um, this is on a scale from one to ten. One to ten. Mm-hmm. I'll give it a six. Mm. Okay. I okay. enjoy it because I enjoy it. I like again. I th- it's an ambitious film. It, it makes a lot of mistakes, but I do appreciate some of the things that they did. I really enjoyed the whole like Arcana thing. I enjoyed a lot of the fight scenes. I enjoyed most of the characters uh like Kano, Cabal, Hanzo, Bihan, Stellar. Like they definitely stand out in my mind. Um I would be excited to watch more Mortal Kombat content in this universe, just mm-hmm. probably not from the same writing team. Now, which of wh- where would you place Mortal Kombat? This is more of a, a a deep a deeper question for you. Where would you place Mortal Kombat compared to uh, Wonder Woman 1984? Oh no, I would definitely watch Mortal Kombat before I watch Wonder Woman 1984. Wow, 150%. <laughs> wow, okay. I actually I actually watched Mortal Kombat twice. Oh damn. I okay. watched it. I watched it um, in the morning when I woke up, and then I watched it again at night just to like see how I felt about it the second time. And plus, you know, the movie experience. I wanted the darkness around. Um, I would never watch Wonder Woman '84 again. Like never. I didn't like. I I can at least say that there were things about this Mortal Kombat film I enjoyed, whether it be from the Arcana stuff to some of the fights to a few of the effects. Um, to Kano and Cabal and their like whole back and forth when Kano was like locked up. There is nothing I enjoyed about Wonder Woman 1984. I actually like I hate it. <laughs> 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 like when I think about the when I think about the movie, I think about that scene where they were fighting in the White House. So <laughs> and Cheetah like had just beat Diana up and Diana is like laying there on the ground in this like bent neck position talking to Cheetah and it's just like even in the real world if you had just got beaten up you're gonna move out of that position like even if it hurts or you're struggling or you're beaten and battered like you're gonna make some type of movement to like not be sitting there with your neck on your shoulder there was just nothing that movie also had it where Cheetah like died in or like got hurt what in the water the of the gold armor what they have to sell toys that's the only thing i could think of it served no purpose like no that was not a good movie and it, no, <laughs> no. Nah, not at all the fights the fights weren't even fight she didn't even fight she didn't no she didn't like not. at least at least in mortal kombat like bihan and hanzo were throwing hands Sub-Zero, like, completely obliterated Jax. Kano and Sonya were trying to do something. Kung Lao gave you a couple of good moves here and there with his hat throw and his teleportation. All now, right. okay, I, I will give it to Kung Lao. I did like Everything. him in this movie. Everything. I did like him in this. He was, he was cool. 
Although I thought his death was dumb. His death was dumb. <laughs> it didn't make it any awful. sense. But it's also kind of one of those things where it's like, that's how Kung Lao gets treated anyway. It's like, it's just, he's very, he's the most disrespected character in Mortal Kombat history. Okay. <laughs> they always make him go out like a chop. Um, even, um, who was it? No, that was, yeah, it was Kung Lao. Like, it was fun. Like, I enjoyed a lot of things about Mortal Kombat, despite how bad it may or may not have been. Wonder Woman 18 or 1984, nothing. Now, what about Mortal Kombat compared to a Guardians of the Galaxy 2? Oh. I didn't like Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I know, I know. (laughs) 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 Ah, um, Like, which one would I watch over the other? Yeah, or which would you think was better? <laughs> um, ah, the face. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I think I would actually. I'd say for now they're equal, only because it's been so long since I've seen Guardians of the Galaxy two. Okay. I would say let me watch it again so I can make a better assessment of how I feel about it now. However, I don't actually think I'm ever going to watch Guardians of the Galaxy 2 again. Fair. So I'll just say very evil. Okay. I understand that sentiment because I also did not like Guardians of the Galaxy 2. It's probably, <laughs> it's probably my, uh, like, bottom tier. Oh, yeah. Two and uh, yeah, yeah, like, definitely. And, and it really upset me because I really enjoyed the first one. And I expected to go into the first one not loving it at all. Um, but... I walked out the first Guardians movie like, oh, I am so excited for the future of the Guardians films. And then it just took a left. <laughs> yeah, like Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> but I maybe say... maybe that means the inverse will happen for Mortal Kombat because the first one wasn't that great. So now the sequel, they'll realize like, oh, we made a bunch of mistakes. Let's fix it. I don't know. There's a lot of mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot to fix. <laughs> you may just have to start over. <laughs> I I would rate this movie um uh like a three point five or four out of ten. Wow, it's really low. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew you were gonna say something around that number. I could just feel it coming. I could feel like that three rolling off your tongue. Um <laughs> Yeah, okay. it was not very good. You wouldn't I, watch it again? Absolutely not. No. <gasps> I, you know what? Um, the reason that it is more of a three point five, I guess, and maybe a four, um, is because I can see myself pulling up the YouTube clips of the fight scenes just to watch them one more time to see if they were as bad as I thought they were. (laughs) 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 Well, I would be pulling them up to enjoy them all over again. Yes. Okay. Well, (laughs) let us know what y'all thought about Mortal Kombat. And uh, we're going to take a break, and then we will be right back. Also, if you guys have Mortal Kombat or you play Mortal Kombat and you're an Xbox user, you should totally let me know. We can exchange gamer tags and we can fight. Oh, yeah. Um, if you are playing and you are on PlayStation side, I've got it. So 
play with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, a Jade main, by the way, y'all. So, uh, yes. And I'm Katana. I don't think that was one of those things was shocking for us either. I uh, know it's not. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right, let's take a break. We are back for the rewatch of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or Captain America and the Winter Soldier, depending on. Uh, that's a spoiler, sorry, but I hope you watch it by now. <laughs> um, but we have the episodes five and six, six being the big finale of the series. And we finally come to the end of it. And I think we just actually got word or like there's a rumor going around that there's now going to be a Captain America 4 starring none other than Sam Wilson because he does officially become Captain America at the end yes, of yes. the show. He wears, he wears his suit with the wings and his, his you know, his everything. I know you his were living. I know you were living. I was getting my life. Um, no, it was, it was like... I actually had like a moment when he popped up and he was flying around and he threw that shield and it just hit. And I was just like, man, this is what I love to see. Like, this is my favorite character. If there is one thing that I think this show has done a really good job of, it is like reminding me why I love Sam Wilson. He is very charismatic. He is very compassionate. He is aspirational in his own way. You kind of like look at him and not only do you want to be better, but it's like you kind of like want to do it to make sure that he thinks it. And like he sees it and you know that, oh, hey, I'm working this out. And I, I've been up and down on Anthony Mackie a little bit, but I think he really did a great job. He came to his own. He did some really great work in the scenes. I think the episode six, especially when he gives like kind of like that final speech about the government and all that stuff and the double standards, that really hit home. So I'm very appreciative of the show for that. When it comes to the two episodes themselves, <laughs> I will say I enjoyed episode five a lot more than I actually enjoyed the finale. I think episode oh, really? five was probably the strongest. Yeah, I actually think episode five was the strongest of the entire series. I think that's the one where it really came together. I especially love the scenes with like Bucky and Sam and Sarah and they're like working on the boat. I did think some of that lasted a little bit too long, but um, you know, just kind of like the way that that bond grow, you really got a deeper look into the characters, the complexities of everything that was going on. Great character work, seeing the Dora Milaje again, they're just everything. Um, have definitely saw what he uh <laughs> saw a little something he liked. It's <laughs> like, what's up? Sarah was ready to have her white boy summer for she, sure. <laughs> like, for sure. It was good, like, she was thinking about it for sure. <laughs> uh, she was ready to do that, so I really did enjoy that. I think episode six also was strong, but I do feel as though it felt it had a lot of the issues that I felt where we had earlier in the series where some of the dialogue was a little wonky here and there again made the comment that sometimes it felt like the show was trying to be a part of the MCU rather than like acting like it actually already was what it already is and so I felt like some of that came through um I think some of the editing of the actual episode of six of like the fight scenes back and forth between like Sam and the folks he was fighting Bucky and like John and the power broker uh, not the power brokers the flag smashes and things like that it made the tonal shift a little jarring sometimes excuse me and it was just like going back and forth a little too much uh but i will say i did enjoy a lot of the final fights 
I think that John Walker did a great job in making you hate him. I won't say too much about his story, like how I felt about him as a whole, because obviously there's more coming with him. As we saw, he was gifted a new suit and named the U.S. agent. And the biggest shocker of episode five, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is a part of the MCU. <laughs> Come on, Elaine. <laughs> okay. Baby, when I tell you... When I tell you she popped up on my screen, I actually like paused my TV and like just started screaming. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Um, so that was like super amazing to see. I was blown away by that. I'm very excited about that. She's actually like a really great character who I enjoy. Um, I don't so... know much about the character um, outside of doing some little like Google searches and stuff. I saw that she was a Madame Hydra stuff, and I don't. I told you I don't really read a lot of the. <laughs> I, I don't yeah, worry. I already like, have I character plan. Playing okay, good, good. <laughs> um, so we'll learn a little bit more about that then. Um, but yeah, so episode six. I also I will say so in this series we find out that the power broker is Sharon Carter. I yes. will say I did not enjoy that reveal at all, and I honestly don't think it makes sense because wasn't she supposed to be blipped? Was she? She was. I'm pretty sure, like, we saw, uh, or not that we saw, but uh, the some of the directors or something gave interviews about how she was one of the characters who was, like, blipped away. And so it was, like, for her to have amassed all these resources and stuff during this time period where she shouldn't have existed doesn't really mm. make sense to me. <laughs> um, and that's I also, a quick turnaround for you to come back and then you <laughs> you took over Magiport like that? Or, you know, in yeah. Lowtown and doing all those, and that shady dealings and stuff? So... Yeah, a lot of that doesn't make sense. So I did not enjoy that reveal at all. I also just don't enjoy the the villainization of Sharon Carter. Like, again, and I think we talked about previously how I was really excited for her relationship with Sam to be built up because they have, they're pretty close in the comics. And I was like, oh, I'm ready to see that, like, on screen. And kind of knowing that she's taking this shift and it's like, we might be going a different route with her and, like, going in that do Thunderbolt you, do you think that Do you think that... Um that is them trying to give a nod to when she was the one who murdered Captain America in the comics. Yes, that's exactly what I got from that. Um, okay. Like, okay. Away and like, and them showing this, and I was like, mm, it's supposed to be like when she was brainwashed, she was doing bad things. Yeah. It's like I get it, I get why you want to see it, but it's like I just didn't want that yet. <laughs> I feel like just, but even so, it's just I just feel like we haven't seen enough of Sharon as a whole, like yeah. to really get into her and like getting her mindset and like get to like her character and know her and she got some cool moments here but now we're already going like that way and so it's like okay we could have had some fun first and seen more of her personality before we shifted over to her being the villain yeah but um i definitely do you think we're still headed down to the thunderbolts i don't know yet anymore i'm starting to believe it might be more dark avengers instead of thunderbolts um I feel like those are probably one of the two routes that they pretty much are going to go towards with the MCU right now uh, mm. in this phase. And originally I used to think Thunderbolts, but now I'm starting to think that they might go the the Dark, Dark. Avengers route. And I think that this might be the way that they introduce Osborn. Because um, when Sharon Carter in, that, in the after credit scene in episode six talked mm-hmm. on the phone, she said, oh, this will be great resources for you and the others so like mm-hmm. she's a must be a part of some kind of cabal or something like that so mm-hmm. i don't know if there's multiple people on this and if any of them are you know osborne or something yeah. kind of some Illuminati yeah i'm starting to think that okay. they're building a dark avengers team 
and they are going to be the ones who are like the, the the Avengers, and they have to fight like the the Avengers we know. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh no, no, I would like that. I would enjoy that. Ooh, you think we'll get Moonstone? She had the benefit of being on both. This is true. She does have the benefit of being on both. I probably probably I love some Moonstone. Ooh, <laughs> that would be good. That would be probably. good. I, ooh. Maybe that's who Amelia Clark is. Oh, I didn't think about that. I saw that they you just know, I know. Clark was oh, going yes. to um, cast in the Secret Avengers along with um, uh, Sam Jackson, Nick Fury, and I can't think of the other like bigger name actors right now that they cast. Olivia Coleman. Also, yes. also a huge get. Like I love yeah. Olivia Coleman for Secret Invasion, and so that's gonna be exciting. I know everyone's definitely gonna be Queen Varenki, right? That's what I was thinking. So my thing was, I know everyone was thinking that uh, Amelia was going to be Spider-Woman, but I think she's actually going to end up being someone like Tigra or who else, somebody else who played like a role in that. Um, but I don't know. Now I'm just talking about Moonstone because I just want some Moonstone. <laughs> <laughs> just want some Moonstone. <laughs> I just want some Moonstone. Um, I just, I don't know. The, she could very well be Spider-Woman though, but I just, I don't know. I feel like that's a little too obvious. Also, don't know how the Spider-Woman rights work right now. I think that that is with I've, Sony. I've heard so. I've heard back. I heard that they're with uh, Sony. I've heard some people say that they're Marvel. I have no idea. I mean, I know Black Cat and Silver Sable are Sony, but mm-hmm. Spider-Woman's also never really been a part of like Spider-Man's world. So it's like, which is wild. I actually, I'm pretty sure that Sony does have the rights to Spider-Woman mm-hmm. because although that she has no connection to Peter Parker, she is like. A spider character, spider. yeah. yeah. So Unfortunately, I, I, like I think they, and I think that Olivia Wilde is, uh, has actually been taxed on to do the movie for Spider Woman. Oh, has she? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, she's Amelia is definitely gonna be Tiger then. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, even going back to that, you know, getting back to Sam and them, I think. Oh, episode six. One thing that I really, really loved. Everything with Isaiah and Eli and Sam. Mm, yeah. Extremely well done. I yeah. love it because A, we just get Isaiah Bradley and we're getting Eli Bradley, so we'll probably get Patriot too. It's like, okay, love all of that. Um, I, was, then, I would tell them, listen, I know who this character is. I did my I, Google research. I signed I the saw contract. who it's supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> I <ain't> nowhere. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're here. You got mm-hmm. it. Well, it's good. Um, but, you know, A, we're getting all that, and then B, it's a relationship that we're getting to build on that we never got to see in the comics. When Sam was Captain America, he never interacted with Isaiah. He never interacted with Eli. I actually think that was a big time when Eli had all the red tape around his legal uh, hey. rights, and so Marvel couldn't use him in comic books. So Sam actually ended up getting a new Patriot, this guy named Rayshon Lucas, which still gags me that his name was Rayshon. <laughs> I cannot believe Nick Spencer did that. Um, <laughs> like, oh, I'm a, let's name him Rayshawn. Like, what? Who's <laughs> just like, wow. Okay. Uh, but, you know, that characters, unfortunately, like Sam, Luke Cage, Black Panther, a lot of them and the characters that get wrapped, in, wrapped up in with them tend to get a little bit of a negative connotation sometimes with the writers who get them. There's a lot of respectability politics 
wound up in that. And so I can definitely see Nick Spencer kind of looking at it and naming this kid Rayshawn Lucas. <laughs> right. And thinking he's doing something good. <laughs> it was like this big statement, and it was just like, sir, please don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, but that was that. But I really enjoy everything with them. I love them kind of taking or Sam taking Isaiah to the museum and, like, showing him his memorial and how his history is going to be remembered. And even when they just had the conversation, he's like, you know, you are up there as that black Captain America. I know they said we would never have one. They could never do it. But, like, you're doing it. And it's just like, oh, I love this. This is my song. So that was I wished I wished the statue of him was his that comic book costume of his. Um, uh, you know what I mean? Like with that like mask around his face or whatever. Thing, yeah. yeah, the bandana. I think that would have been cool. And like his own little shield right there. I think that would have been cool to see. Um, versus him just in his like military garb. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that I thought that that was fantastic that he was like, I want to show you like mm. what I made sure was gonna happen. We moved. Uh, we moved uh, some of Steve shit to the side. <laughs> Move it out the way. Got it all out. <laughs> Make some room because we're gonna we're, we're gonna definitely make sure we have an Isaiah Bradley portion of this museum because you are Captain America. And How did you feel about um, Carly and her end? I don't think I liked it. Okay. I I don't think I liked it because the turn for her to become like this villain was so sharp. Um, and again. I got I have the Flag Smashers app on my phone now. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I don't think they did anything wrong. <laughs> and um it be, they never really portrayed Carly as this like more sinister kind of person or whatever. I think had they did more of that and kind of shown her, you know, being more dark or mm-hmm. being more of instinct to kill something or something like that, then maybe I would have understood yeah. her being labeled as the villain. But she kind of didn't do a lot outside of, you know, she definitely let those people burn in that um, building when they blew up. Um, yeah. But all and of them, I can't. I say, <laughs> and this is why I say I, I kind of felt like some of the writing on episode six was a little bit uh, lax, especially compared to five, which did such a really good job at really digging into some of these characters. Even when you think about Sam and Carly and the conversation they had with uh, together in the beginning at the funeral and they were kind of talking about the nuance of like what she was doing whether she was right or wrong and how they operated and like where do you draw the line between hero activist villain all of that stuff I feel like so much of that was kind of washed away in episode six and yeah. even when you get to episode five and she just killed Hoskins which sends John Walker down this like even more horrible path that he's already on to like crazy town and she's talking to him about she's like oh I didn't mean to kill your friend I don't kill people who don't matter and it's just like what right (laughs) the follow up that line to me was very heavy handed (laughs) (laughs) like like, oh my god because when when in episode 6 and Carly is like oh you know I just I didn't kill anybody who doesn't matter and Walker is like, oh, you think Lamar's life didn't matter? I was like, okay. <laughs> like, it was, it was, it was <laughs> something bad. <laughs> like, and this we is what get, I said. The, I understand the Black Lives Matter thing that you're trying to portray here. This is extremely heavy handed. Exactly. And that's why I say that some of it is just like that writing. It was, no, it doesn't make sense. And then again, even when you look back at Carly, it's like all that nuance of what you're doing. Who, you're saying you don't kill people who don't matter or like, Something. What do you mean? 
None of these people right. matter. <laughs> like, what right. do you mean? <laughs> That's the whole reason you're doing this. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was. That's a sad for them to get to that line of you know Walker saying that. So. She yeah. got, um, she definitely got the short end of the stick, and I, I, I feel, I'm, I didn't like Carly in the beginning, from the beginning, you know, I didn't, she was doing whatever she was doing, but the character or all of the above, all of the above, you know, um, okay. again, I understood what Carly was doing, and I totally get why you'd have the flag smashers at on your phone, uh, but I was with Sam, it's like we can do this, but you kind of going about it the wrong way. Like you are very much drawing the line between activists and terrorists at this point. And it's like you need to calm down. <laughs> uh, she was going down the wrong road. Like she was saying, and it was I gotta go back and watch the episode where they were talking because she was getting a little snippy saying some things. It was like, well, you better watch your tone, little girl. Watch your tone. Um so we're gonna get into that. But she definitely got the short end of the stick. I felt a little bad for her. And then she, you know, and then she dies. And it's kind of like and I get it. Even in that uh, moment where you have Sam carrying her like in his wings around and he's Captain America, it's supposed he to be very like symbolic. <laughs> it was supposed to be like very symbolic and all of that it stuff. Cool. I won't, I won't lie. It looked it cool. Looked great. But it was just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like an angel when he was carrying her. Um, because I will say that every scene of him, I thought the costume looked good. There were some parts along his um, chest and shoulders look a little clunky. Um, and I wish it was a little bit tighter on his body, but like the look of it all looked great. I think that every scene of Sam in that new Captain America costume was phenomenal. When he was flying around in that in that whole flight it against that so scene, good emotion. Oh my so gosh, good. I rewound that scene of him flipping through and using the shield to like bounce off of and uh, telling the one like hostage in the back, like, hey, I'm going to do this thing. I need you to get to the front to uh, get the controls for the helicopter. And he like flew through it and got the guy. I was like, this is insane. (laughs) It's so cool. Yeah, like it was given. It was everything. And I I agree that I I, I do feel like the suit looked a little chunky um, up top, but I also feel like most MCU suits look that way in the beginning. I think of like Captain America's first suit, and so even Carol's first suit that she got. A lot of the first suits are kind of like test runs. So hopefully by Captain America four or Falcon and Winter Soldier season two, because I've heard that they are shopping around for the idea of that. Next time we see a suit, it'll look good or look better. I I I like I said I still liked it. I thought you looked great oh, yeah. in it. Um, Especially he, I didn't realize this, and you can tell me is this a Sam Wilson thing? He loved to kick somebody in the chest. <laughs> like, all the time. You've never seen my. I have a thread. I'm gonna look for. I have a thread on Twitter that is literally just Sam kicking people. <laughs> and in, both, in both the MCU and in the comic books, it's just literally okay. him just like flying down and kicking people. So that's his thing is kicking. Exactly. He'll kick thing. somebody in the chest. And it's like, and it's like, and it's like, even um. He kicks like a helicopter. His leg strength is amazing. He like mm-hmm. kicks a helicopter. There's this one scene, I think it was from Age of uh, Ultron actually, where he comes down and he like kicks these two guys in the head. And it's like, oh, you know, there's no, or is it Civil War? One of those movies. Mm. He kicks these guys in the head and it's like, oh, you know, their skulls are broken. It's like, was it when he does that like kick, spin, flip thing? Because yes. that was really cool. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think yes. that was, that was Civil I'm War. Not, 
I'll send you the thread so you can look at the thread. It's an entire little thing of him just kicking people. It's fantastic. It brings me a lot of joy to continue to add to it. Oh, I should actually find some stuff from this show to add to it now. Oh, yes. You probably get updated. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I really enjoyed his speech that he had, you know, with the the council people. And um, it was long. (laughs) I will say that. but I don't know if it's something that Sam does where he gets on a, on a, a soapbox. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, actually during the Nick Spencer Captain America run, like, all Sam did was give speeches. It was fantastic. <laughs> like, it was Because, like, like, all the speeches were very uh, inspirational. They always kind of hit. Like, that was one thing. Sam, Nick Spencer wrote a really good Sam. I will give him that. Like, I know he got a lot of flack during that time, especially because he had Captain America as the agent of Hydra. <laughs> and a lot of people didn't like that. I thought Hydra and, was a good story. I don't care. <laughs> it was really good. But, you know, he did a lot of good. He, gave, he had a lot of speeches where Sam was kind of like calling out the government on stuff. He had Sam give the eulogy at War Machine's funeral. He had his big, like, hero speech during Secret Empire. Um, he had a couple of those, actually. Like, Sam's a speech giver. He talks. Okay. He's very loud. I'm lo- so then you feel, do you feel like this has been a pretty great portrayal of Sam Wilson? Yeah. And- yes. Yes. Uh, 100%. Again, and again, like I said, this show has really made me appreciate Anthony Mackie as Sam a lot more than I did before. And it has reminded me, oh, that Sam is a character that I truly, truly love. He is like my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I know you are like a Sam, so I wanted to take your. Your word on it means a lot more than anybody else's. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you the fan, so, like, I want to know if they, if they have been, like, getting him right. For all the things that, you know, my, for all the issues that the show might have had here and there or whatever, like, Sam has been good. And, like, the way Mackie has grown into his role as Sam has been great. How did you feel about what they kind of finished up with Bucky and... He and him apologizing to, um, you know, the guy that he killed his son. It was and, fine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I think we talked about this before, but it's like it, I wasn't really sure what they were going to do with Buffy or where they were going to take him anyway. So mm-hmm. I just felt as though, hey, you either give him his peace and like let him really start to live or you kill him off. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm got- glad that- Peace. <laughs> <laughs> <Some> peace. <laughs> let him be. He can go be done. Yeah. Can go, go kick with Sarah. You know. Yeah, okay. Because she was writing. <laughs> okay. He was. I. It was. It was really uh, cute to see. He was like, "Oh, what's your name, Sarah?" Okay. Like you know, a he was probably interested in, and b he knew it was just going to annoy Sam. So it's like yeah. it's a layer. So win win. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Love that. Um, I think. I wasn't expecting them to kill Bartrock at the end. However, I do think that kind of what you said with the the heel turn for Sharon, like, I think that she shot um, Carly because she didn't want to get out that she was a power broker. And, um, you know, she also obviously worked with Zemo to Mm -hmm. get the rest of those Winter Soldiers killed so that it didn't come out that she was a power broker. So this is her. Yeah. I wonder if you think she's like triple crossing. I would hope so, cause mm. I, don't, I don't I don't want bad Sharon. I like Sharon. I don't, I don't think I want bad Sharon either. I don't want bad Sharon. I don't want I don't I don't want someone to have to snap her neck. You know. I could see them I could see them doing a triple like 
you know, turn thing with her and just having a lifelong uh, Contessa. That's kind of what they did with what's her name? Songbird, isn't it? She's oh, played okay. like triple agent status before. I wonder if maybe that's kind of what I they're no doing. Idea. I'm not the biggest Songbird fan, so I'm I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's fine. She's cool. Her powers right. are pink. Right. Power, yeah, she's like a Green Lantern kind of. So it's like uh, she, it's sound manipulation. I don't yeah. know. If it's her actual. I don't think she can make constructs or anything, right? No, I think she can. I don't know. I've read. <laughs> I've read Thunderbolts before. I should go back and read that because I don't really remember. She's not. She's cool. She's fine. Yeah. She, she makes constructs. I think though, for sure. Screaming Mimi. That was her old name. Oh, yeah. I wonder if they'll ever bring her into the MCU. Well, that's that's what I was saying. Like, I think if they're kind of giving Sharon her role as Mm. a triple agent that she's played before, then I wonder if that means they won't do her. Uh Oh. Well, that's for the... (laughs) 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 We'll see. I wonder what they're going to do with the U.S. agent. That's kind of what makes me think that they're going Dark Avengers, because he's mostly been... And the yeah. Avenger, um, yeah. then tied to the Thunderbolts. Yeah, I um, I don't know. It's it's gonna be exciting to see. I think they'll probably just continue to use him as an adversary. I don't know if I see them putting him on the Dark Avengers. Do you think the, so? As like as like their Captain America fill in? I don't know. I don't know if he deserves. He does it. <laughs> he doesn't but I don't know who else they would put in as like that the dark Captain America I guess that's true the evil Captain America you know and that's I feel like they're all going to have their counterparts but there. That's, that's even if they do um like a dark Captain America because it hasn't always ever been like the Iron Patriot who was supposed mm-hmm. to be like the pick for both of them I wouldn't mind that yeah. I mean, it probably will be John if they do it who cares as long as he gets beat up because he didn't get like his come up <laughs> enough for me in this show I will you say think that. so? I mean, episode five, they they would. Uh, I mean, I, they like his arm. <laughs> so I will I will say that episode five did feel a little bit disingenuous in the way that everybody kind of turned against him, especially the government. And they disembarked him because that's not what happens in real life. Okay, that would not happen in America. Especially like he would have got a medal of honor. Okay. <laughs> and they so they would have had to scrub that video from the internet, and he would have gotten all kinds of accolades. And that is one thing I will say I did have a problem with the show. I felt like they, when they addressed the race and kind of issues of that nature, it was still felt a little PC or just mm-hmm. like relatable. Like, I think about, and I hate to compare shows sometimes, but I think about Watchmen on HBO and how they handle like a lot of their race issues with like the government and the Klan and cops and stuff. And it like really hit home for you. And it was kind of like heavy, but it was like, damn, like it's also really good in the way they do it. And I feel like here they wanted to keep it digestible for you to kind of remind you that, oh, this goes on, but also this is still a Disney product. <laughs> right, right. Um, and I wish that there would have been a little bit more reality in that situation for some people to be like, you ain't do nothing wrong. And it's say everybody was like, oh, yeah, this is so bad. You can't be Captain America. But really, like, this is what this is what America does. <laughs> okay. And just, it's okay to shine a light on it. <laughs> yeah. And, and not, I, I try to shy away from it. And, like, really get into that perspective of the other people on the other side and say, oh, this is how we feel about that situation. So I feel as though we, we, we play softball with that, and I wish they wouldn't have. But other than that, it's fine. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for everything that's going to come up going forward with this. I wonder 
mm-hmm. you know, the the MCU, in my opinion, is so interesting compared to the comics because I feel like Sam was Captain America for like a couple years in the comics, mm-hmm. and then it reverted back. Um, mm-hmm. There's no reverting back <laughs> in this because okay. time like time exists and Steve is dead. So like, okay. you know, uh, so he's where do you go from here? He's Captain he's America, cat. so it's going to be interesting to see how this kind of like moves forward. And kind of like we talked about earlier, like with comics and stuff, you know, you kind of mm-hmm. wish that there was a little bit more time in things so like people can grow up yeah. and stories and kind of progress forward. It's mm-hmm. going to be a very interesting to see how this story progresses forward mm-hmm. as there's no Steve Rogers to come and take the shield back, you know? Exactly. Like, and all these actors are on contracts. And they actually get right. old. So it's like they're going to get to a point where it's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to jump from bridges. <laughs> like, right. do all these things and be attached to all these wires all the time. So it's like, you kind of have to go with it. I also kind of hope we get a little bit of that MCU synergy and Sam can return to the comics in some form or fashion. I really do miss reading about him monthly. I also wonder, I don't wonder, I hope that they would do an update to his suit to kind of give him his own shield back. Just for that MCU synergy, because I like him with it. I liked him with the shield. It's good to see. It was cool. It was cool to see him use a shield as a thing that he was like as a weapon. Yeah, it was. Oh, did you know? Uh, so Rick Remender, who like spearheaded Sam turning into Captain America, he was posting some things on Twitter about from when he originally did it all those years ago, and he showed the original design that Carlos Pacquiao had did for Sam as Cap. It wasn't the best, but. Remender was tweeting about how when he was making the decision, Marvel wanted him to get rid of the wings. Why? I wonder, exactly. You know what? I wonder if they were trying to do that because they really wanted to drive home the fact that he was Captain America. Probably, but like that that's the problem. It's like he's right. He's like, that's Captain the problem, America. right? Let him have his wings. But yeah, he was saying that he had to fight really hard to keep the wings in the design because they did not want them. And I was just like, Can you imagine? Oh my. What would yeah, he have done? Like yeah. it looks good. Run around just like uh Steve Rogers, probably on a motorcycle or something. No, I think him flying is cool. Yeah, so I was really glad. Um, but that was a nice little bit of information that I got from that. So I thought that was cool. And I'm That's glad really also hard for the wings because they look great. I wonder what other types of design things like that have ever happened for characters. Um, I'm glad that he stuck to his gun and be like, no, keep the wings there because yeah, Falcon needs them. Okay. Sometimes would, yeah, I have to... would be called Falcon if he got a shield. In uh, the I mean, I guess that's fine. I mean, I like Sam as the Falcon. I, I think I've always said that I enjoy the Falcon identity. Um, I just wish they gave him something to do. Okay. So if he's going to be Falcon, <laughs> that's actually perfectly fine with me. But I just, I don't know. I, again, I just thought him having a shield was kind of nice. And I would like to see them do a little bit more synergy of showing his like aerial combat versus his on the ground combat and like mixing that in with it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, especially after watching this, because like the aerial combat was, he was <laughs> with the shield. He was kidding. I'm, I'm probably watching the kid after this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It was good. It was good, man. Um, I'm excited for everything that's going to come up in the MCU. So, like, this Phase 4 has been pretty great. I mean, Phase 4 is hitting. You know, for me, the most exciting thing for Phase 4 is Fantastic Four, but that's not coming until I don't know when. And um, although I'm, the next thing after that is 
probably the Eternals. I'm think I'm becoming like an Eternal stan, so I'm I'm excited to see yeah, them. I'm excited. I'm excited for that first Eternals trailer. I feel like we're gonna get that soon too. Yeah, I think so. I think that's supposed to come out later this year. So. I think it's supposed to come out maybe October or November or something like that. So mm-hmm. okay, I'm gonna get a little eternal stuff. It's got Gemma Chan and I love Gemma Chan. She is yeah. amazing. She's great. Yeah. Um, and Angelina Jolie and uh, Salma Hayek, like yeah. both of the Stark boys from Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a cast. They're coming. And I think that's been my thing with the MCU too. Now everyone like gets really excited when they cast like people like Olivia Coleman or Amelia Clark. For me, I think it's just another day now. <laughs> we, we got the everybody's talent. in the MCU at this like point. Every, yeah, like they, we got the talent. Everybody's here. It's cool. It's yeah. Just let me know who they are. <laughs> I actually think it's, I think it's more surprising now when DC gets somebody. Yeah. Like when they got Lucy Liu for the Black Adam movie. Yeah. I screamed. Yeah. For sure. Oh, no, she's in um, uh, Shazam, right? Are they not the same movie? Uh-uh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, they don't have a plan. Uh, people don't know. Yeah, they have. There's a, there's a Shazam two that's separate from Black Adam. Oh. Yeah, Black Adam is its own movie with, uh, you know, Hawkman well, and Doctor Fate and all that. Hawkman. I was about to say that's really all I've been paying attention well, to. I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see um him posting his harness uh pictures. Swing that knee. All right, y'all. Well, on that note, let's go get out of here. Um, you can find us. On Twitter, at Another Relaunch, you can send us emails with questions, concerns, any kind of relaunches you may want us to read out at um, anotherrelaunch at gmail.com. You can find me on uh, most social media sites at UncannyLZ. Oh, don't forget to find us on YouTube as well. So hit subscribe if you want to watch us instead of listening. Um, you can find us by going to Another Relaunch TV on YouTube. Uh, Keenan, where can they find you? You can find me on most social media at Keenan Lance with an underscore at the end. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all, we are out. <laughs> Peace.